0: Your ears do not deceive you. You You've just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview.
1: Hello, and welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. I am one of your hosts, Jimmy Gasparo, and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I am here with a writer, a creator, a musician, and a self-proclaimed human cryptid, which maybe we'll dig in and find out what that is about. And, um, it's, uh, when I'm recording this, it's 9 PM where I am, but, but it's 2 AM where they are. And I'm very grateful that they are getting on to talk to me, but please welcome to the podcast, Chris Mole. Chris, how are you doing today or this morning? <laughs> <laughs> I am well. Yeah. It's tomorrow where I am. Well, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to someone in the future. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I thank you very much for, uh, connecting um I, I followed you on twitter i'm familiar with some of your work including uh, brigantia which um we're going to talk about volume one and um yeah so um I, a big fan of that i love celtic uh pagan god you know myth, mythological in a modern setting type of stories i've always been a big fan of those i've always been a big fan of mythology in general ever since scholar Holmes. Yeah. Junior year English class in high school, um, and Scholar Holmes used to say every person should uh, re- at least have forgotten their bullfinch because we had to read bullfinch's mythology, and um, he knew yeah. we wouldn't remember it, but we we did study it in Scholar Holmes class. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, we can you know start there uh, uh, in terms of uh, Brigantia, but um, I just. Wanted to kind of get a, a sense of um, what kind of led you initially to want to to want to be a writer.
0: Sure, um, but it's tricky because I started I started writing comics. Well, I've always I've always been I've always felt quite comfortable with writing. Like I have this theory that everyone has one creative thing that they they can do without really having to try too hard at it. You know, you know, you know, you have friends who can pick up a musical instrument and just play it and don't really have to try that hard with it. Um, and I've always felt quite comfortable with writing, just like from when I was a kid, I used to just, I would write stuff for fun, you know, I'd write fan fiction, I'd write all sorts. Um, and so I sort of, I decided I wanted to get into comics, because I, I, I obviously I love comics, I've read them my whole life. Um, you know, I was reading Asterix when I was younger. Are, are you familiar with like, you know, Belgium comics, like Asterix, Tintin? Uh,
1: not in the sense that I've like read a lot of them, but yes, I mean, yeah, I've you know of them. I know of them, yeah, I know what they're yeah. a, a little bit about them.
0: I think it's a thing for I think a lot of European creators like myself is we, we you know we obviously have the exposure to American comics you know we have like your Superman your Batman you know I think the first comic I ever technically made I was about five years old and it was a it was a three page adaptation of a Superman movie that had been on TV I wrote I wrote and drew the whole thing I lettered it myself it was you know incredible uh, was so, it that, please that, tell that, me it was that, Superman that, four a quest for peace you no know, no. <laughs> Well, when I recall, it's there's one where he freezes a bunch of water and there's a dam that bursts and he uses his frost breath and freezes it. Um But yeah, I, that was obviously, you know, we had exposure to those things, but it okay. was more in terms of actually reading a lot of comics. It was stuff like Asterix, it was stuff like Tintin, which is just really, it's really sort of, you know, friendly. Like for kids, it's great because it's colourful, it's fun. Asterix in particular has a lot of really good jokes in um, that, that really translate very well from the original French. Uh So I sort of, you know, I love comics, and I thought, well, I got—I was in university, and I had a friend who got really into the small press scene. Um, you know, he was a small press comic artist. Okay. Um, and he and I was like, you know, how do I get how do I get into this? Basically, like, where where do I start? Uh, and he went, well, you know, it's he basically he was running an anthology, like a small press anthology, and he went, well, you know, if you write a story, I'll I'll you know will I'll put you, I'll look I'll look I'll hook you up with an artist, um, and we'll you know we'll make it happen. Uh, so that was where it started. So I did. And I was had a really good time with it. You know, it was only four pages, but it was a lot of fun. And I sort of took it from there and just kind of tried to keep building on it. Um, just, just it was sort of taking what things I'd already done. Like I'd already done a lot more, a lot of writing just for myself. And going, well, you know, it's fun. I enjoy doing it. Let's write it. So let's do it so other people can read it as well. You know, why not tell some stories?
1: Well, and in terms of doing like writing for yourself, I mean, were you like? A good student in terms of like writing classes or those types of assignments. Like,
0: did you enjoy yeah. doing those things? Yeah, I did. Um, I did English literature at my. It's, I don't know what the equivalent for your. Obviously, the American education system is very different to the British one. Um, but I was so with my A levels, which is like what, what we call colleges, I don't, I don't think is what you call college. I think you have different names for them. But it was it was sixth form college. I was about sort of sixteen. 16, okay. 17 seventeen—kind of
1: so age. Still high
0: school for
1: here in here in America. Like high schools usually between the ages of fourteen and eighteen.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I did English literature for that, and obviously there were there were creative writing assignments, and I, I had a lot of fun doing them. Um, okay. That you know, sort of—I got quite good grades for that. Um, so yeah, it was it was that sort of thing, and it was also like, you know, I was in a I was in a Star Wars uh, an online Star Wars role playing club for a long time. So really. I did a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Big so cool. Big Star Wars fan over here. Um, oh
1: well, well, you're in good company. So am I. Um <laughs> but well, wait, wait. I I, we gotta digress and I I wanna talk about that. So it you were it was like an online role playing. I mean, so did you have to like create it like like I've played D D yeah, before? Yeah. So did you have to create your own character and did you do like storylines
0: like within yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, so okay. it, it was basically, yeah, so you, you created a character, so you had a character that you came up with, and the whole premise was that it were like it was like this was obviously before they, you know, completely shook up the canon and everything. It was like dark Jedi. So it was, you know, bad bad guys. And obviously, you, you know, you're making a bad guy, but you've got to try and find some element of likability in there because you're gonna be role-playing this character for however long.
1: Yeah. Um, there has to be a reason I mean, you you wanna do it and you, you like it and
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean my, my guy was basically uh um basically like a sort of like you seen you Yojimbo, your Jumbo, you know, like your the movie with with the Kurosawa film. He sure. was essentially a bit like that guy, okay, like one one eye crossed with a character from from a manga and also a Jedi, also a dark <laughs> Jedi. Uh, okay. so, you know. What was his name? Well, like, I mean, I, my my Twitter handle is Chris Manji. His name was Manji. Oh, okay, like, I completely just lifted it from a from a <laughs> from a manga, but you know. Well, we, we we kind of there was me and some friends and we we got together. And we sort of like built it up a little bit. So we built up a whole mythology. Have you seen Star Wars: Visions, you know, the animated show?
1: Uh, uh, most of the first season, yeah. I haven't watched so the second season yet.
0: The first the first episode of that first season. Obviously, they did their own thing, you know. But I watched it and went, these are, they owe me royalties because that's basically <laughs> just that's basically the character.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go back and rewatch with that in mind. I uh, love Star Wars: Visions, by the way. I oh, really yes, loved beautiful. it. It was really, incredible, really good. yeah,
0: we, and the new season as well has been great so far. I'm about halfway through it, and it's just a lot of really good emotional stories, like short mm-hmm. emotional stories, right? Um, but yeah, so I, I did that, and that was there was a lot of writing involved with that, and there was a lot of um, it was a lot of it was quite interesting. They did kind of cooperative writing, so you would do you kind of write a battle scene with someone, and essentially you kind of write you know a chunk of it. So you go here's what here's what's happening, and then they sort of pick it up and then carry on from there. And the idea is to try and you're, you're kind of working with them because you want to tell a cohesive story, but sure. also you're kind of, you're trying to like win by writing better and kind of coming up with more creative ways to sort of do things right. and trying to fit within the, within the sort of stats and everything as well. So, um, but yeah, like I, I did that. I had a lot of fun with it. I was in that for cool. a good few years, but I think it was a good training ground for like working with other people because a lot yeah. of it was collaborative and
1: I, I was just going to say that must have been great training, especially the collaborative nature of you know of comics. like maybe you're not working with a co-writer, but you know you're working with an artist, um colorist, letterer in terms yeah. of like getting like the style together the The goal is you want to you're working in a visual medium and you want the story to be cohesive. and every aspect of that, every member of the creative team does something to propel the story forward, whether or not yeah. it's in Tone or in mood, so yeah, that had to be like fantastic,
0: like training for that. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, obviously at the time I didn't think of it that way. It was right. just like you no, know, I'm just writing. I'm writing stories. It's fun. But yeah, definitely looking back at it, it was it was that thing of working with other people. And they did we did sort of run on things as well. Where again, it was if that wasn't combative, but that was you know we're telling a story together and it's building on what people have done before. um So yeah, it was definitely definitely useful training. So that 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 was obviously I think part of you know. Like you know, enjoying writing and having fun doing it, and wanted to sort of take it to the next, just take it to the next step, basically. Right. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and
1: so then, once you you know kind of got the or your your talk to your friend and they said, "All right, you can do a four page, you know, story. Write a story for this to get in this, you know, an- anthology." Um, yeah. I mean, did you have any experience at that time, like scripting a comic? Did you have, did you just like look for scripts online? Did you just kind of piece it together? Where, where'd you go from there?
0: I, yeah, I had no experience with comic scripts. So I, I kind of went, well, I mean, the premise for it was, it was a sort of, uh, it was a time travel, like the, the, the whole, pre- the whole premise of the anthology was like time travel stories. Little It was kind of like future shocks, you know, a little four page story. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so that was, that was sort of, that helped in terms of like thinking of what the story was going to be. And then, right. yeah, I, I think I, I think I just, I think I looked at some script examples because there was some stuff like, there were some Sandman scripts floating around, that, you know, Neil Gaiman's made available and there was kind of some stuff. So I sort of looked at them and went, well, I get the basic idea of what I want to do, like what it needs to be. But if I look, if I look back at that first script now, if I could dig it out from somewhere, I'd probably be like, you know, the formatting <laughs> on this is awful. You know, like I would have sent yeah. this to the artist and they probably went, all right, let me just you know rearrange everything, make sure it makes sense. Right. Um, well, I'm a big I, I'm really fan really of like... That. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What'd you say? I say I'm really happy with the story. Like it was, it was like a kind of film noir sort of detective thing. It's like a private detective travels through time. I've kind of leaned into like the really heavy, you know, the really heavy narration. So it's like a noir, monologue kind of thing, and that was right. that was a lot of fun.
1: But yeah, you oh, were well, saying it's cool. No, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I really liked, you know, to hear how folks kind of like start and get into it and like kind of, you know, find their way, you know, with that type of, uh you know, to, to write your first script. And I was going to say that I really like back matter. Like one of the first things I would do is if, you know, uh, a trade paperback or something had like a script in it or like process art, because one of the things I really liked about Brigantia, you know, at least in the, 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 um, I guess the volume one that I had digitally and went through, like there's, you know, portions of the script and some of the process art and like the thumbnails. And I love that stuff. I love seeing how it all comes together and how the sausage is made because it's like the more, I think you look at that and see how other people are doing it. I think you can always pick up something. I mean, even if it's a, even if it's a comic, you you didn't think was like, you know, great, but, um, you can still learn, like maybe, oh, they did it this way. I don't think that worked. I want to do it, you know, another way. Um, yeah. I think Alan. There was a clip that went around of Alan Moore. He was like, "Read everything, even bad stuff, because then you'll yeah. you'll think, oh, I could do this." Um, but Brigantia is a um, is not that at all. I mean, Brigantia is is a, a wonderful story, and I love the artwork in it. Uh, And I was so excited to hear in terms of one of the artists for volume two. Um, I can't, I'll let you talk about that, but to stick (laughs) with volume one. um, Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, I just, I loved your idea of it in terms of uh, the like Wonder Woman, but if Wonder Woman was kind of based off of like pagan mythology rather than, um, you know, Greek mythology. And then, and one of the other things i wanted to to talk about which i had never seen before um <laughs> in terms of volume 1 but it there's a pagan consultant and uh i hope i'm saying their name right correctly uh, Le- limnea area
0: yeah Limnia, i think
1: but yeah basically Limnia? Yeah. yeah yeah i, I mean d- just that level of like i want to talk i want to talk to somebody who you know is steeped in this a little bit more than I am to kind of make sure that this kind of makes sense. Uh, I just love that level of of detail. So, why don't you for anyone not familiar who's listening, for any of the listeners, why don't you tell, you know, tell me about Brigantia and what it's about and volume 1 and I especially want to hear like how that worked with having like a somebody who was a pagan consultant on the comic.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um so, it began to like. Like I said, it's basically the, idea, the premise is sort of Wonder Woman. If Wonder Woman was based on a um, a, British, a British pagan goddess, and um, there's a lot of very, there's a lot of very well. British mythology is interesting because there's a lot of strong Celtic mythology, which is interestingly more sort of Scotland, and Ireland, England doesn't really have its own mythology because England is so sort of has been so many different cultures over time. So, essentially, the idea was to kind of create kind of a British heroine who could be. Like you know, a, a sort of figure of hope and belief, and it's it's meant to be an uplifting story. It's meant to be kind of. There's t- I, I try not. I tend to sort of lean away from the superhero comparison because yes, it is kind of a superhero story, but I don't want people to think, oh, it's capes and it's you know that 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 whole vision of superhero- heroism. It's more right. of a fantasy story, but essentially, it's the the premise is that Bugantia is the um, the t- like, titular goddess of a tribe called the Begantes. Who is a real tribe? They were based in Yorkshire, which is where I live, uh, before the Romans showed up. Um, and the idea is that she gets sort of tricked into a magical portal that sends her to the modern day. It's a little bit like, like Samurai Jack, you know, it's that kind of vibe. Um, due to the modern day, she goes from having a tribe of, you know, maybe several hundred, maybe several thousand people who believe in her. So, you know, she has a, that strength from that belief to far fewer people believing in her. I always say far fewer because there are people who are still worship Pagansia today, which ties into why we had a pagan consultant on board. Because, you know, if it's somebody, if this is somebody's goddess, somebody's actual, you know, religious belief, you don't want to just sort of go, well, this is my version of it. You know, I don't really care if it's right or not. I don't care if it's respectful. Um, so, yeah, she's put into the modern day. And the the, the conflict is essentially, is, initially, is her trying to get back to her own time. You know, it's, it's trying to kind of go, well, if I just go back and, I can go back and fix everything because she finds that over the last 2,000 years that she's been sort of stuck in limbo. Um, everything has gone terrible to, you know, put it politely. Right. Uh, and it's, it's sort of the machinations, the work of the, her brother, basically, who tricked her into the present day has just been messing things up. Um, so it's about her trying to, initially trying to get back to her own time and kind of, you know, fix things and, and right. try and make, make Britain a nicer place to live. Yeah. Uh, essentially. <laughs>
1: I mean it does a couple of things that I think, you know, really good comics do really well. Is that um it looks great, number one, right?
0: Um there's some great yeah, we can't, I mean we can't we can't go any further without crediting the like the incredible artist on it. Cause obviously yeah. there's Melissa Trender did the first issue, um, and there's Harriet Moulton did issues two and, and three. And just yeah. incredible. Yeah, and you had
1: a couple of different, I think, letterers involved too, right? yeah, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. It was uh, it was Nikki Fox robot for issue one. Aditya car for issue two, and Hassan Otsmain Elhau for issue three. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, you might have heard of, <laughs> of those letters. No, no slouches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought you know uh, I I do lettering myself as well, but I just thought if I'm gonna it like it's to draw a musical analogy, it's like you get somebody else to mix your song because then you need someone to come in who's better than you at what you're doing. Right. So yeah, I got I got people who are much better than me to do the lettering. <laughs>
1: Uh, We get well. The lettering's great, Um, but yeah, it it looks really good. There's a lot of great action scenes in it, um, and 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 fight scenes, which are always fun, you know, in comics. But yeah, it's not really. Although I think that's an easy pitch to kind of say, oh, it's like a Wonder Woman, but it's based off of pagan mythology. Um, Yeah, it's not really like a capes and tights, you know, kind of book. but also I think this you, you the
0: cut- the inspiration is kind of like it's you know, you know when you've read you've read Sandman. I yes,
1: take it. Yeah. I
0: have with with Sam, I mean I, I, I assume most people have, but you know, I ask anyway. Yeah, with you Sandman, never know. Yeah, yeah. The vibe with that is like I've always felt was, when reading it is that there's there's sort of there's you know the real world and then there's another layer of it, which is the unreal world, which is you know, where dream and the endless and all the sort of magical stuff happens. Yeah. And it very much feels like when you're reading Sandman that you I read that and go, well, this is just the real world, but it makes me feel like, you know, in the real world, I could just turn a corner and walk into Dream of the Endless. You know, it has that very realistic, magical feel to it. Yeah. Um, yeah so it, that's it the vibe we're going for, I think.
1: Yeah, you know. and, I, 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 and I, it works. Um, but the other thing is it touches on, like, real-world issues, you know, never in a heavy-handed, preachy way, but, like you know, like there's, it talks about, like, climate change and... It talks about like the backlash to like immigration and it talks about some things that are like really going on. And, um, you know, Brigantia kind of wants to protect the people. And um, yeah, I, I, I just I like I think it's very smartly done in terms of those types of issues. One of the other things I really like is, um, you know, no book like this with a character out of time. I think they those these types of stories always work best when there are like touchstones to now who the audience can kind of find a way in. And I think yeah. the two characters that she meets, uh it's I really like how it happens in terms of the one working uh, is it Proven? Yeah, yeah. works at the museum and then is a, I, 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 the name just went right out of my head is it Anna? Anna, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. at the, yeah, the at, archaeologist. Yeah, at at the dig site. Who has a t-shirt that I'm pretty sure says, can you dig it?
0: (laughs) That was all, that was all Mel. That was all Mel's idea. It was fantastic.
1: (laughs) Well, I love that. (laughs) Um, I think it's, I I like how they meet. It seemed very like natural in in terms of their, like their interaction and always like, you know, that's kind of the audience's way into this character. Um, And it's a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, you know.
0: You have something flying around uh where yeah, you are? There is a, yeah, I've got we've got the windows open because it's like nearly 30 degrees here, it's very warm, and there's a moth that's decided to come and say hello. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I'll just it. If it lands on me and I kind of hit myself in the face, then apologies.
1: No, no, no. You're you're <laughs> you're, you're you're fine. We we allow for moths. Um we're as as a cryptid re- uh, adjacent podcast, we allow for of human course. cryptids, mothmen. Uh we're very welcoming here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs>
1: So, um, well, why don't you talk to me a little bit about or, or, you know, Volume 2? Like, where do things stand? Uh, you know, is that is that going to go to Kickstarter soon? And about, yes. you know, who, the creative team for Volume 2.
0: Yes, so uh, so Volume 2 is being drawn as I speak. Um, so, yeah, it's going to go to Kickstarter again. Basically, we're going to do what we did previously. We kind of changed approaches so sort far. Of we did Issue 1 and Issue 2 as separate Kickstarters, and I kind of reached a point where I thought, Single Issues just, I mean, this will, will not get too heavy, but it's sort of the changing climate of indie comics. You know, I just felt like Single Issues weren't really viable for me. Um, so I was like, well, we'll just, I'll I'll fund it. We'll do Volume 2. We'll do the whole thing. We'll just do another Kickstarter for that. Um, and the, the creative team is, you know, obviously, you know who the, who the artist is. Uh, it's your friend of mine. It's Alain Rassico, um who, I, again, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, uh, you 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 are Allaire,
1: Rosico. I I think I know that because like I interviewed Allaire and Tobin and Grant Stoy, um, once and I I yeah, I, for I, I, quest, I yeah I, yeah for side quest and I said their name, uh, very wrong and they corrected me. Um, <laughs> so I I will never forget it. Now of course I'll get a message afterwards, Allaire, telling me that you still said it wrong, Jim. Um,
0: but yeah, yeah no, she's, uh, a, she's a phenomenal artist and just like oh. the pages the pages she's been showing me are just oh yeah. The chef's kiss, like they're absolutely incredible. Um, because I I I was looking for a new artist, so I sort of I just saw a work and just thought it's got that perfect quality of kind of yeah, like powerful and sort of, you know, imposing kind of characters and like great character action, great acting, you know, oh, in the yeah. panels. And Very like a though. great great sense of layout. And it's it's just it's great because there's some stuff in the because I kind of wrote out issue four, five and six, which will make up the second volume. Okay. Um and there's definitely some pages where I was kind of like let's try something a little bit complicated and like, you know, we'll see if this works. Um, and I kind of, you know, gave some touchstones some touch for this is what I'm thinking. Obviously, you know, you are we're working on this together. If you could think of a better way to do it, please do. Uh, and like, there's one page in particular she came back with, and it. it's just, it's incredible. And I, I keep going back, and if I'm like showing people at conventions, like I'm sort of, you know, here's a sneaky peek. <laughs> this is It's incredible. And if she's listening to this, she'll know exactly which page I'm talking about because I have enthused about it so much. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: Side so, Quest, I'm a big fan of, but also uh, Crown and Anchor is.
0: That was the work yeah. I saw that made me go, yeah, she's, she's perfect for this. Oh, fantastic. And we've got, because um, we, she doesn't color her own stuff, we've got uh, Rebecca Nalty um, on coloring duties. Oh, wow. Um, who, again, you know, is a big get. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, I think Hassan again is, is is doing the lettering for Volume Two as well. Woo! So, Stack team, all right. <laughs> well, this is the thing I I always. <laughs> Someone, one of my friends uh, and like fellow you know, comics creators said about me a while back, and he he was sort of he was saying he was like, "Oh, one thing Chris is really good at is putting together the right team for a project." And I have always, I feel, like I've taken that to heart. And I'm like, yeah, you, I spend a lot of time like looking for people and trying to make sure I'm contacting the right people because you want to get the right people on the. team. You, know, you want to get people who are complementary will work well together yeah and we'll sort of work for what the project that you're doing you know like cuz i know some obviously some people tend to work with the same artists because and that's absolutely fine you know you have a comfort level there um and i like to try and work with different people who i think will best suit the tone of the project like and what it's about and you know and how it, how, I want, how it should look in my head um but yeah this i'm just i'm very happy like i'm absolutely overjoyed with the, with the team i think volume was- 2 uh, cuz it definitely gets a lot more there's a lot more big action. There's a lot more big moments. Uh, oh, I can't. I can't not mention Claire Napier um, as well. Was was the editor on those three issues as well? Oh, the first, awesome. The first three I kind of edited myself because I was like, this is my story and I'm going to work it out and I'll, you know, I'll just tell it myself and I won't get an editor. In. And then there's, there's the last three I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to. I want to really stick the landing with this, so I'll get Claire and and she was absolutely incredible in helping me work through the scripts and make sure things were really landing and, you know, suggesting bits to improve and that sort of thing yeah um, that's fantastic so, yeah.
1: yeah can't can't find uh somebody uh too many people better than
0: claire yeah she's incredible so yeah i am I'm really looking forward to that kind of having that ready and being able to share it with people because i think it's just like i feel like if you read your own script and you're like yeah yeah this is good you know, <laughs> I, I know i i don't know if like a lot of writers i know we all tend to be quite self deprecating about about stuff and i and I do it as well so if i if i read if i when i read the script first like Through the uh, issue six, especially, I'm just like, I have got myself in the feels when I was writing this. That's pretty good. All
1: right, fellow cryptids, now seems like a good time for a break. I'm always looking for a way to display my comics, but unfortunately, I am not very handy or crafty, as it were. Luckily, I have come across Crafty Comics, and they have a way for you to display your comics, even... Uh, comic books that are already slabbed if if that's your kind of thing. I recently got a flex frame which has customizable backings and interchangeable border colors. I was able to put in a frame a comic book. It's Batman Elmer Fudd uh, number one by Tom King Lee Weeks. It's signed by both It's one of my favorite signed comics that I got at Baltimore Comic-Con, and I was able to figure it all out. It looks great in the frame, and I can't wait to get it up on the wall. It was super easy, and I have a slew of comic books now, and uh, much to my wife's chagrin, I think I'm gonna create a wall of some of my favorite signed comic books, Um, and Crafty Comics was super easy to use, and I like that you can have a different border color along the background to kind of go along with the theme of the cover art. And yeah, it was a, it's great, and uh, I absolutely love it. So check it out. It's Crafty Comics, C R A F T I C O M I C S dot com. Use the discount code Yeti Five and get five percent off your order. And now back to the Cryptid Creator Corner. So so Brigantia, she gets tricked by her brother. She comes uh you know she is gone for a while she shows up now out of time in um modern britain the modern england um yeah. i re- you know one of the things i like when when uh it, there's a little bit of a time jump and the character design like i love seeing her in kind of like modern clothes i think she's hanging out on a bridge and like the establishing yeah, yeah. shot for that section Hello, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that was it, it just it just fit it looked you know it looked really it looked really good but um so after all the action and, you know, we kind of, you establish the characters in in volume one. And it's like a, I, just a, the fantastic journey that Burgantia goes on. And as I said before, it's a great mix of that kind of fantasy story and modern storytelling. And I, I really enjoyed it. But um, is there anything you can tell us in terms of like, for folks that have read it and teasing about where volume two is going to go?
0: Oh. Well, or what I will say is. Too spoiler. Yes, spoiler. Well, really? There's a lot more mythology in the second volume because um, we've dug in. Essentially, I, I felt more confident to take things and kind of go, again, working with the pagan consultant to sort of take stuff and go, right, you know, we're going to do our, it's going to be our take. It's going to be my take on, on this particular thing. And it's kind of world building, I guess, or building out like a more of a sort of that like the pantheon of gods and goddesses that she knows. Because you, okay. you very briefly meet her sister Bridget in, uh, in Volume 1. Okay. Uh, Bridget plays much more of a role in Volume 2. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, there's a lot more kind of, there's more gods and goddesses, and there's more, of, like, a lot more of it set in the other world, and really kind of building out the mythology side of it. But obviously, balancing that with the challenges that the, the human characters face as well. Um, and yeah, I just think, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to, I think people are going to enjoy it. I'm it that way. <laughs>
1: uh, all right. Uh, well, I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Especially, um, I mean, I I really love the art in Volume One, but I'm a big fan of Alaire, so yeah, and Rebecca Nolte, so yeah, very much looking forward to to Volume Two um, when that drops on Kickstarter. Do you have a planned date yet, or sometime later this year? Do you know?
0: I think it's what's going to be we'll look at next year I think because I've got various things on and I don't want to like I don't want to pressure allowance to get it done quickly like it's I want her to work at it at the pace that she oh, yeah. wants to work at it on um, you know like I'm not going to be hassling for it and essentially with the last one that we had some delays so I want to make sure that it's as good to go and then we do the Kickstarter and it's like right it's ready it goes to print you know you get it as soon as possible um, so yeah but awesome. yeah we'll we'll look at we'll look at 2024 Maybe maybe early let's say early 2024 we'll put it that way all right. And, well, I know that um, one of the
1: other things that you had, had mentioned, and I, I saw on Twitter, and i, I um, um kicking myself, I didn't at least try to get a pitch in in time, but you decided to do, is this all you, this anthology, The Secrets of the Majestic, if I, I have that name
0: right? Is that what it is? Yeah, is, uh, this this will definitely need some explanation for people.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because what so. I saw, it, it looked like, it, it did this spawn from, like, a conversation, that thought bubble or something?
0: Yeah. So, um, so Thought Bubble for anyone who's not familiar, I, I mean, most people probably are, but it's a big comic convention in the UK. Um, and essentially what happened was, so Thought Bubble is held in a town called Harrogate. Uh, it's a nice posh little market town in the UK. It's, you know, it's very, very fancy. They have a very fancy hotel called the Majestic, uh, which is like a big, you know, Victorian building. It's got, you know, big pillars and all sorts. And most crucially, the men's toilets is absolutely palatial. Like it's huge. (laughs) There is a bench in there. It's like checkerboard tile. Essentially, it's so ridiculous that everybody, when they go to Thought Bubble for the first time, they, they, well, everybody, I say the men, you know, go to the toilet and then walk in and go, what on earth is going on in here? Like, why is it so big? What's happening? (laughs) And it's become this thing where every year, you know, I don't know. I don't even know if who's. I don't think anyone's started. I think a bunch of people have all done it independently. Everyone during the the party, there's like a mid-con party. It's in the hotel bar. People go, yeah. You know, people get a bit drunk and they go, let's go and take photos in the toilets. And you get, you know, <laughs> just, to, just to evolve with, you know, like it's everyone goes uh, in there, you know, all the bubble you know, tradition. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like the, you know, there's a, a bunch of women are coming in because uh, you know someone's like, come on, I'll show you the toilets. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, like you're allowed in. It's okay. Uh, I mean, last year I was I was showing Laura Helsby because it was her first time at Thought Bubble, and I was like, "Have you seen the toilets yet?" No, right? Come on, we'll go. we'll we'll go and show you. And as we were walking in, uh, door swings open. Cecil Castellucci and Raina are on their way out, and Cecil's like, oh, "I'm so sorry, you know, we're just I'm just showing my friend the toilet," and I'm like, <laughs> "That's fine. I'm just showing my friend the toilet. Don't worry <laughs> about it. We'll, you know, we're all here together." Ah. So you get people going in for photo shoots and all sorts. Um, oh, that's so funny. basically. I I was, you know, I was, it was a Saturday night and I was like, oh, has someone done a comic about this yet? Because if not, somebody should. And I tweeted it and I went, "Is that you know, if I, if I were to do a comic about the toilets, would anyone actually pitch to it? Uh, And then I got got tons of responses and Kieran Gillen was like, yeah, you should do that. Um, You know, someone, you know, you might as well. I've already, I've already been telling people, you know, it's a secret, a secret dungeon or something. Um, So yeah, it's an anthology about the toilet at the Majestic. Uh, and like why is it like that basically? That's that's the essential premise for it. That's fantastic. Uh,
1: have you um I have 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 you uh, like figured out like how long it's gonna be or everybody involved yep. yet? Is that that's all set, right?
0: Yep. We yeah, uh, we did the pitch we did the pitches for a month or so. We've all the pitches have come in, we've gone through them all, we've got the lineup all set. Um oh, so everyone's been confirmed. Um, uh, I um we haven't announced anyone yet. Okay. So I am not going to share specific names, but what I will say is that there's some uh, there's some pretty big names in there that you might not expect. Oh, that's um, fantastic! Uh, and also, there's, there's just a bunch of people who I think are incredible. So it's great that they all that they pitched. It's like really right. good to get some people in. Like the teams you've got are just sort of, you know, fantastic. Oh, that's uh, awesome!
1: So, and yeah. um, like any sense on like like is that will that be this year or will that be
0: next year as well? Yeah, that's going to be. We're going to run the campaign. Uh, later in the year. I essentially oh, I right. was like, yeah, well what I mean, the ideal would have been to get it out for Thought Bubble this year because it has to launch at Thought Bubble, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um but I just it's again it's pushing people too hard. If we try and get it out for this November, everything has to be done by, you know, the end of October at the latest. And I don't want to force that into people's schedules. Yeah. So we'll we'll take our time, we'll do the campaign this year so I can promote it at Thought Bubble. And then we'll people have got time to work on it and we'll do a big launch next year. Because uh, unless they, you know, unless they bulldoze the hotel, that's still going to be relevant next year. So, <laughs> I, mean, I, hope, I hope they don't, because that would ruin the whole joke.
1: <laughs> oh, um, that's I love that. I love that idea. I love it. Uh, well, I can't yeah. wait to see, and I can't wait to see who uh, who's involved. That's, um, that's it's great. That yeah. Sounds like it's going to be pretty good.
0: That's really. It's just great. There are some very different pitches, and I was sort of. I'm glad that there's a lot of different lot of different ideas, and it's not like a, it wasn't a lot of people are going for the same thing. You know, there's right. a bunch of different concepts, which is exactly the point. You know, it's yeah. it, like it could be anything. Like, why is it like this? You know, kind of use your use your imagination, basically. Right. Uh, so yeah, there's a great variety in there. Yeah, that's the great thing. Like when
1: you have like one of those calls, and it's like, well, I saw it one way, and then somebody else comes out of like left field, and it's just like, nope, I, you know, with something completely different. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's what's the good thing about an anthology. You know, if you have a very broad theme. Um. Even yeah, with a yeah. very specific theme, you can get so much variation. You know. Yeah, There's definitely. Whole yeah. Thing. Um. You know. So, uh, are there other you know projects? Not that that's not enough in terms of taking on an anthology, and <laughs> as well as Brigantia. You know, volume two. Um. Are there other yeah. things comic-wise that you're working on? And I know you're also. We didn't really even touch on it yet, but you're also a musician. You've had different. Bands and done different things musically,
0: you know, over the years. Yep. Um, you're a guitarist, right? I am, I'm a guitarist, yeah. And I mean, you could. I've, I've got, I, you know, I don't have guitar behind me at the moment, so
1: right. <laughs> um, yeah, because I was, I was on your website, and I mentioned this before we started recording, but I was listening to some of the songs from your uh, older band, Northern Oak. Um, I mean, it, it, does your style kind of tend to like, uh, like heavy metal, or what? What yeah. do you describe it as?
0: I, I, I'm definitely, a, I'm definitely a metal guitarist. I mean, I like, I like a lot of different things, and I've sort of dabbled in a lot of things. Like, I've, I've got, you know, I've done like metal bands for years. Um right. I've done all sorts of different genres, but I've also done some stuff for. I mean, some friends, like a friend recently asked for a piece of music for a Kickstarter video, uh, and the that was for the again, that's for a comic, and the premise of it was sort of like 1970s kind of Hammer Horror, you know, meets rock and roll, like that kind of David Bowie, Black Sabbath kind of thing. Oh, and he sure. was, so, he, so he was like, can you do us something that sort of sounds like 70s Black Sabbath? Like that kind of, you know, fuzzy sound. And so yeah, I did a little, did a little piece of music for that, which was quite fun because it was just sort of a little, you know, minute and a half kind of instrumental thing for the video. Uh, but I've done this stuff in other stars as well. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I love it. I mean, what what I love especially is I love it when I can combine the two things together. So I did a comic called The Black Rubric, which right. is uh, like a, bla- a comic about a black metal band. And I was like, well, I can... You know, I, I I know about black metal. I've been in black metal bands for years. Like it's a it's a ridiculous genre. It's just very silly. They wear face paint. You know, they, they yeah. dress up and they like scream about Satan. Um but the whole <laughs> thing is inherently ridiculous. And like I love it, but it's ridiculous. So I, I just did a comic about that, like a kind of funny one shot thing. And then recorded the soundtrack for it. So it's the band from the comic and it's their songs and you can listen to it while you read the comic. Um, it's just that- yeah that was that's I, kind like like pinnacle, I like that. I like those
1: things coming together. You know, like yeah. oh, there's a comic. We, you know, you kind of have your own soundtrack to the comic. To be, yeah. be to have the talent and to be able to to do that, I think, is pretty special.
0: I mean, I mean, the, the band did it. It wasn't me, obviously. <laughs> it was a real band. You know, they they did all the recording. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, it was. It's like it's that kind of diegetic thing, isn't it? Where you could, you know, you're reading a comic about they they write a song that's too satanic, basically. And then I was like, I'm going to try and record that song and then, you know, put it in there so you can listen to the the song that breaks the world while you're reading it. I just, right, I yeah. love that. I kind of, I love that kind of crossover, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I do too. That's pretty cool. Um, in terms of music uh, and in terms of like writing in particular, did like writing music come first or like, no, you, um, you know, or was it, did that come later? And do you find any similarities between your process when you're writing music and you're writing a comic, or is it just like totally different? Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I, um,
0: well, I was, I was a musician, I think, before I started writing properly. Cause, well, I was in the, I was in the brass band in primary school. So I just played the tuba, uh, which no one expects when they, when they see me and they're like, you know, I was a tattoo metal guitarist. I'm like, no, I used to play the tuba in in primary school. Uh, But yeah, I, I, I did the music first. Um, so I've been in bands most of my life. Uh, but the thing is, it's never felt as natural to me because I, I was born half deaf. Um, so I'm also, I have a hearing disability, which means that like I could, I've kind of gotten good at music. I think I've gotten okay at music, but I've done it sort of by, a lot of it is, is not by ear. Like I can't, you know, I'll listen to something and go, yeah, that sounds in tune to me. And, and then somebody who looks at it and it's one with perfect pitch will go, no, it's not. So I had to do it by kind of logically working out things and being like, well, well that definitely, this chord, I know this works with this, and I can sort of piece it together like a puzzle. Um, what? Real? That's. I mean, that's. I, you know. I mean, that's yeah, fascinating to me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not half, half deaf because of the heavy metal. I, I was born half. No, no. Deaf.
1: <laughs> Okay, I know. I get that. I mean, no, but the. I mean, so much of music is is listening, and especially in terms of you know tune and and writing music. I mean, I, I can't. I I don't know how to write music, but yeah. that just seems like. Um. Did you find that in terms of like how you had to do it in terms of pitch and like writing music? Did you discover that like on your own, or did you have like people involved in band that kind of helped you figure out how to make it work
0: for you? I think yeah, it was it was especially the first few bands I was in because I was in one at college, and obviously when when you're in a band at that age, you know you're not you're not very good. Like nobody who's like fifteen or sixteen is any. You know there probably are some, but a lot of the time you're crap and you're just trying to kind of work out how to do things. Um, so a lot of it was just trial and error. And there, there's actually there's a piece of software that's really useful called Guitar Pro, where you can write out you can write out a guitar tab like a tablature for which is how it's played, and it will play it back to you on the computer. So you can sit there and, and it's kind of digital note like digital notes. So you can be like, right, that doesn't sound right together. That does sound right together. So we'll go with that, and that helped to kind of. Built like building blocks, basically, and the first oh, wow. ones okay. I wrote were were very simplistic because I was like trying to. I wasn't doing it by ear with an instrument. I was doing it on a computer and then playing it, um, and sort of working it out that way. And yeah, just over time, we definitely, there were, yeah, we definitely worked on stuff together in the first few bands. Um, the the with Northern Oak, which was like ten years or so of my life. What really helped with that was that the the flute player, the flautist, is just the most musically talented person I've ever met. So she would just be like, all right, you know, here's how this all works. And like, you know, would work if I'd written something that was completely out of tune, you know, didn't actually match what was what else was being played, she would sort of go, right, you know, here's how I'm gonna put it in the right place. I'm gonna work out where it goes. Um, so it was it was great kind of again, it was collaborative because I wouldn't I wouldn't presume to write flute parts for a lot of the time. I'd go, maybe the melody should be a bit like this, and then she'd make it work. Uh, and then, you know, other times she'd just come up with melodies and we'd, we'd stick it all together. So again, it was that collaborative sort of thing of, you know, I'd like write I'd write a bunch of guitar parts and then we'd work out what else we could throw on top of it to make it kind of sound big and you know and, and fit the mood that we were going for. So yeah, yeah awesome. definitely definitely, yeah. Again, the collaboration is a big, a big part of it. Yeah. And so um I mean,
1: when you were in like Northern Oak and, and like other bands, like did you go on tour? Did you like,
0: you know, do that yeah, type yeah. of stuff? Yeah, we were I mean, clubs. We, we didn't, yeah, we played a lot of gigs. Um, we didn't, With we, we did some tours, but we didn't do too many. We didn't do like the classic, you know, you're in a van for like a week because with the UK, this is the thing, with, with, with America, if you're going on tour, it's, the distances are a lot further away. So like playing a couple of cities, you're going to be driving for maybe three, four hours between those cities. Right. In the UK, where, I mean, where we are, Sheffield, like down to London, is about three hours. So it's only if you go literally from the very, very bottom of the UK to the very, very top. That right. you would need to maybe take, you know, a few days doing it. So we did, we did do some, we did a bit of touring. We did, we played a lot of gigs. We played a really big festival um, over here called Bloodstock, which is like probably one of the biggest metal festivals in the country. That was really cool. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And then we did, uh, we did three albums um, and an EP. And the EP was the, the EP was great. For the EP had, a, I managed to sneak a Batman themed song onto that. Oh, I say, really? I say sneak. <laughs> Um, <laughs> essentially we did a Kickstarter for that like we did a Kickstarter to raise the money to record it and uh, some people that I know we, we did a thing where we'll basically we'll write a song for you like at the top level right. um, and three people went for it and for one of them they, they were like we just want a song about owls you know we don't whatever you want to do with that brief just owls and I was like so Batman then so the court of owls yeah okay let's do that uh, and the like our vocal voc- the vocalist we had obviously he was a, he was a big kind of Batman fan as well so he was like "Yeah." I've got this. I'm gonna do a going to do a Greg Capullo, Scott Snyder, Court of Owls song.
1: <laughs> oh man, that's great, and and that's uh and, and if you go to your website, you can hear that, right?
0: You can. Yes, yeah, it's all it's all on Spotify and everything as well. So, oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, do you still get time? Ta- do you find time to? Do you still uh
1: like you you read a lot of comics or your t- your your to be read pile like uh overgrowing like pile. everybody else's.
0: Yeah, my TV Red Pile is a source of great shame to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there anything low. you have read that you uh, you really enjoyed recently? Uh, so, yeah, so there's, there's a comic called Gateway City, uh, which is my, it's a, it's a, it's a friend of mine, Russell Mark Olson. Um, he's, a, he's from Portsmouth, I believe, and he's a, he's a kind of cartoonist, like writer, cartoonist, artist. I mean, we actually have a project that we've worked on together, uh, which we're sort of shopping right. around, hoping to get someone to pick that up. Oh, okay. Um, but, he's, but yeah, he's fantastic. But Gateway City is like a kind of beautiful sort of noir. Um, it's like, I mean, it reminds me a lot of Darwin Cook. You know, it's got that kind of Darwin Cook sort of noir vibe, but like really great cartooning. Okay. Um, and there's some sort of like fantastical elements in there as well, but it's all based around, I mean, he's from St. Louis originally. It's all based around like St. Louis kind of prohibition era sort of gangsters and like, you know, moles and dames and that kind of thing. Uh, but it is just, yeah, it's it's beautiful. And he does the he does the thing where he does the Gateway City Quarterly. So he does like a newsletter, like, a big newspaper style, like quarterly every three months through his Patreon, um, and then like collects it together into a book uh, once a year. And yeah, it's just it's fantastic. So I can't recommend that highly enough. Cool. All right. Well,
1: I don't, I'm not, I'm not. I, I I know the name. I'm not super familiar with it though, but I will check it out. Yeah, Gateway City.
0: Yeah, Gateway City. Yeah. Nice. Russell Russell Mark Olson. He's just fantastic. Like he. Yeah, I look at I look at his work and I'm just like, like I said, it's Darwin Cook vibes. You know, it yeah. gives me that kind of like that that dopamine hit of like a really beautiful comic. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah I, I was
1: a I'm well, I'm a big Darwin Cook fan. I have like the, the biggest like art book I have is um that I got as a present was uh like the art of Darwin Cook and it's just a big, huge, thick book and I yeah. absolutely love it.
0: New New Frontier still remains like kind of I guess the pinnacle of DC superhero stories. So he's just so good. It's so yeah. good. It so, it's so great. They just let him kind of take the reins and do what he wanted with it. You know, yeah,
1: bottom. yeah. It's just some fantastic storytelling. Yeah. Um, so I know we're closing in. I said I was going to like keep you to forty-five minutes, but I I have to I have to talk about something real quick. If you you have a few yeah. more minutes, is that okay? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay, yeah.
1: because you know. In our modern age, when we follow folks on Twitter and, you know, we maybe only see some tweets in terms of the algorithm. And, uh, you know, if I, if I see somebody as a project that I think is interesting, I try and check it out, back it on Kickstarter, but you don't always get to like kind of deep dive into somebody else that you might have interacted with on, on social media. Um, so I love this podcast because when I, when some, when I want to talk to somebody because they have a project or I, you know, fire off a tweet about I have openings and somebody reaches out to me and I get to kind of take a deep dive a little bit into their website and their back catalog and who they are and those type of things. And I came across, in terms of your website, the Professor Elemental Comics, which I took a look at and had never, wasn't familiar with Professor (laughs) Elemental, Um, (laughs) but then went down like this beautiful YouTube uh rabbit hole where cup of brown joy was like stuck in my head for like a full yeah. twenty four hours so i'm I'm
0: very sorry <laughs> and I
1: was just it's it, it seems so, it's like it seemed i, I don't i mean i you don't know a lot about like British things other than you know uh i i was I, I spent a few days in London, and I really love Doctor Who um yeah. but it seemed like like a quintessential kind of like British humor. And like, yeah. tell me, what is, who is, what
0: is Professor Elemental? <laughs> tell me. So, yes, yeah, so he's, um, so basically he's a, he's a hip hop, like he's a rapper, uh, but his style is very much kind of mad Victorian explorer, sort of scientist type. Um, it, the whole thing is very much kind of a sort of taking the Mickey out of like, I mean, this is the thing. It's Britain. We have a we have a very checkered past, as you are probably as you're very aware. You know, colonialism, British Empire, all that kind of stuff. It's absolutely in no ways like a glorification of that. It's very much. I mean, he, he has one song called "I'm British," which is basically just kind of a litany of like. Am I allowed to swear a little bit on this podcast? Or. I, I yeah. I mean. With the reason. On, one <laughs> level it's, on, it's, it's basically about how it's, it's shit being British <laughs> like, yeah. you know it's just miserable okay. rain and, and ra- getting your chips rained on and everything is sort of horrible and you've got you know it's it's essentially it's kind of you know he tries to find the joy in people and diversity and the things that are great about the country um, which I think is, is fantastic but it is it's just sort of fun nice hip hop uh, a lot of it is sort of silly kind of there's some sci-fi stuff and it's kind of you know, it's it's like hip hop for people who don't really want to listen to who don't want to listen to like you know gangster rap or anything like that. It's very much, you know. And I I like I love you know I love a bunch of a bunch of like gangster rap. I love Wu Clown and that kind of thing. I I love that stuff. Yeah. And he I'm, obviously I'm I'm friends with him. Like I've known him for years. He is a big hip hop head. Like he knows a lot of obscure right. deep cuts, and he really he really puts the research in. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's kind of like a whimsical sort of. It's a thing. Like we have a there's a particular strain of British humour that is like. Taking the piss out of ourselves, and kind of doing stuff that is ridiculous, but like doing it with a kind of joyful air, so it works. Right. Um, so yeah, you mentioned Cup of Brown Joy. He's done a bunch of music videos that are kind of really well received and like have loads of views. Um, yeah. And yeah, if, if people look if people look him up and watch a couple of those, they'll I feel like they'll get the they'll get the vibe of it quite quickly. I think.
1: Yeah, i I think I'm gonna have to put in the show notes uh, a link to like Cup of <laughs> Brown Joy. Um, I I think that I really I think I. It, the call and answer. I, I I don't when I say I think it was when I say Earl Grey, you say delightful. Yes, please. Or, or yes, please. Or yes. yes, yeah, please. Yeah. yes please. <laughs> that yeah. And then it was when I say Assam, you say Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. That was I heard great. that song
0: far too <laughs> many times. Cause like whenever he does gigs near me, because obviously like we you know we've worked on comics together. So, you know, we're like Yeah friends. Whenever he does gigs near me, I'm there, and I'm just like, I've I heard all these songs far too many times, but I still enjoy right. it. You know, I still like seeing them. And the Professor Elemental comics
1: have like a really like fun, like a bit of an older school. You know, they're very colorful. It's like there's a lot going on, and it, it seems to suit the personality that I you know saw in the YouTube videos. So yeah, I mean, just, yeah. just 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 great stuff.
0: Yeah, essentially. I mean, I, I got in touch with him because I, when I was thinking I was looking for a project to work on, and I went, "He's you're basically he's basically a cartoon character anyway." Like his personality and his persona was very much a cartoon, so I went, "Well." You know, like we could do a comic. We could do some comics about you and come up with a bunch of mad stories, and it'll it'll work basically. And yeah. then yeah, so just, that was my first experience of trying to organise anthologies with a bunch of different people in. Yeah. Um, and like, right, and writing a bunch of the stories myself as well. Um, so yeah, it was yeah, that good fun. They're good fun. Yeah. Lots of um, short stories about about orangutans and, and <laughs> you know getting into trouble. Yeah, it's like the thing I, is. It, I love the central it. thing is like he'll. It's always like he 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 thinks that he's amazing and that he's a hero and he's done everything right. And it's always like, you know, he's done something terrible and it would go horrendously wrong if it wasn't for incredibly good luck or his orangutan butler who actually cleans everything up after him, you know? Right. It's that kind of like lovable sort of doofus hero. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, there's a great like comedic British tradition, you know, in terms of um, like Monty Python and Blackadder and things along those lines in terms of like You know, taking the piss out of high society, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, and um, which I really liked. So, yeah, Professor Elemental, I had to at least bring it up because um, I'm I'm probably gonna like as soon as this is done, go listen to a couple Brown Joy again. Now,
0: (laughs) okay. Like I said, I'm very sorry. It's never (laughs) going. It's never going to leave your head. I'm sorry. Uh,
1: (laughs) Um. Well, look, Chris, I really appreciate you doing this, especially it's you know now almost or just about 3 a.m. where you are. And um, yeah, so uh, I'll I'll put a link in the show notes to the website and really encourage folks to go get. Um, I know you can get digitally. I think it's on Global Comics, Brigantia Volume 1. Read it, check it out. Get ready for Volume 2 next year. Um, Secrets of the Majestic, look for that. That sounds like it's going to be a wild time. And um <laughs> Yeah, check out Black Rubik, the other comics uh on Chris's website, Professor Elemental, some of his music. And yeah, Chris, man. Um, you know, and we'll have to have you back so we didn't get a chance for you to explain the uh th- that your Twitter profile says you're a human cryptid. So we'll leave a little bit of mystery and we'll have you back once <laughs> um uh, Brigantia Volume 2 is ready to go and you maybe we can get you and uh and Alaire and some of the other creative team want to chat about it.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll emerge from the woodlands where I make my home and, and come back on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where? Yeah, the woodlands of uh, uh, Yorkshire.
0: <laughs> Yorkshire. Yeah, we we have some woods. We have some woodlands. Yeah, we'll, I'll go and hide in those.
1: <laughs> oh, Chris, I really appreciate it. Um, oh, but thank uh, you for having me on. Yeah. So, uh, all right, for comic book Yeti, this has been Jimmy Gasparro. Um, if you like the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, say nice things about us. Um. If you wouldn't mind, and um, yeah, if you if you like uh, if you like our interview podcast, you know, let us know. We we appreciate that. But check out Chris's stuff. Check out Briganti of Volume One. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'll. Uh, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptic Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe
0: wherever you get your podcasts.